Hello, thank you for joining me today for Give Him 15. The title of our post today is Redemption Began in Gethsemane. Leaving there, he went, as he so often did, to Mount Olives. The disciples followed him. When they arrived at the place, he said, pray that you don't enter into temptation. The place spoken of by Luke was Gethsemane. It had become Christ's favorite place of prayer. Notice the phrase, as he so often did. This is how Judas, who had left the Last Supper early, knew where to take the soldiers to find him. Christ would spend three hours there that night, agonizing over the ordeal he was facing. During this time, he would wrestle with his natural human desire for this cup of suffering to pass from him. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. The agony of these three hours was horrific, much worse than most people realize. Luke tells us Christ started this time of prayer on his knees. Matthew adds that he eventually fell on his face in agony. Mark added that he fell repeatedly. In other words, Christ would kneel then fall on his face. He would rise to his feet again, only to fall once more, first to his knees, then onto his face. At one point, the agony of what he was experiencing, as well as the knowledge of what was coming, became so great that the capillaries in his face burst, and blood mixed with sweat oozed through the pores of his skin. This is a painful medical condition known as hematidrosis. Doctors don't know exactly what triggers hematidrosis, in part because it's so rare. They think it could be related to the body's fight or flight response. Sometimes it seems to be caused by extreme distress or fear, such as facing death, torture, or severe ongoing abuse. It's probably where the term sweating blood, meaning a great effort, came from. While the extent of blood loss generally is minimal, hematidrosis also results in the skin becoming extremely tender and fragile. I believe our redemption was actually beginning here when the first drop of Christ's blood was shed even before he reached the cross. Through a blending of the gospel accounts and with more in-depth definitions of the words chosen by Holy Spirit, we can gain a more complete picture of what Jesus truly experienced in the garden. When he withdrew from the disciples to pray by himself, Luke uses a stronger word than the other gospel writers, 
apospao, which means to tear away. Weist translates it accordingly. He tore himself away from them. Probably more than at any time in his life, Christ wanted the comfort of being with friends. Yet he knew he would have to face this ordeal alone. We are told by Matthew and Mark that Yeshua became, these are King James words, sore amazed, exceedingly sorrowful, very heavy in his mind and emotions. More literal definitions of the Greek words used give us poignant descriptions of what he was feeling. Ademonain means to be troubled and in anguish, to be in a state of great anxiety, used of one who is rendered helpless, disoriented, agitated, anguished by the threat of an approaching event. Perilupus, to be very sad, or environed, surrounded with deep grief. Ekthombesthai, to be exceedingly astonished, either with wonder or fear, to be in the grip of a shuddering horror. Weist says Christ was thoroughly alarmed. Though he knew in advance this trauma was coming, the intensity of it was even greater than what he had expected. It was alarming to him, astonishing, disorienting, horrifying. Matthew tells us Jesus was agonizing to the point of death. The word used demands that this be taken literally. Though death could never have taken Christ before the time came for him to yield up his spirit in a strictly human sense here in the garden, his body was close to death. Again, I believe our redemption, specifically taking the emotional wounds rejections and sorrows of the entire world upon himself began here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Isaiah prophesied of Christ. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being or peace fell upon him and by his scourging, we are healed. Don't waste a moment of Christ's suffering for you. Everything he did was redemptive. 
every second of suffering and abuse was for you and me. Taking our place. Let it bring healing to every part of your soul that may be hurting. Jesus wants you healed from every form of abuse, rejection, betrayal, and loss. He paid for this. Receive it. After three hours of agony, Christ prevailed. He broke through. He broke through into peace. And his spirit was now in complete control of every emotion. At this point, Judas came with soldiers and betrayed him, betrayed Christ with a kiss, kata phileo. The word reveals that this was more than just the friendly kiss on the cheek, a common greeting in many countries. The prefix kata strengthens it, implying a stronger affection, perhaps with a hug or a lingering kiss on the cheek. This is why Jesus questioned Judas. Are you betraying me with this type of affection, Judas? Christ then asks the soldiers, who are you seeking? When they told him, he simply said, I am. Jesus did not say, I am he, as most translations state. He spoke his God name from throughout eternity. I am. And the power of his words, of his name, knocked the soldiers backward onto the ground. Christ is indeed almighty God. At this point, Peter, perhaps emboldened by what happened to the soldiers, pulled out a sword and cut off the ear of Malchus, a servant of the high priest. Jesus promptly touched Malchus and healed his ear. The great I am indeed. The healer, the great physician, the creator. And in this time of suffering, the Savior is seen ministering to his enemies. At this point, Jesus was led away to be tried, beaten, and crucified. We look at this tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, the agony you must have felt during Christ's sufferings had to have been immeasurable. The temptation to answer this prayer, his prayer, let this cup pass from me, must have been overwhelming. But you knew there was no other way to save us. Our sins required a perfect, sinless sacrifice. You who spared not your own son, but delivered him, him up for us all. How shall you not also with him freely give us all things? Thank you. <clears throat> and Jesus, 
words fail us. You, the Prince of Peace. suffered overwhelming mental anguish and emotional trauma for us. You allowed yourself to feel the pressure until your capillaries burst and your skin oozed blood. Through this, you now give us unexplainable peace and unspeakable joy. We worship you today. We exalt you above all others. We love you from the depths of our heart. May our incense of worship rise before you, bringing the pleasure you so deserve. As incredible as it sounds, we are the reward of your suffering. Satisfy your heart even more in this hour. Send revival to the earth. Bring a billion souls into your family in this coming revival. Your father, who cannot lie, gave you the nations as your inheritance. No one can take them from you. And Holy Spirit, Show the world just how wonderful this God-man is. Open their eyes to his glory, his selfless love, his humility. Give them dreams about him that awaken desire, a longing to know him. Surely there is no one like him. Give them a taste let not the wicked stop this, ruin their plans, judge their strategies, thwart their efforts, and reveal this glorious man. And in his name we pray. Amen. Well, tomorrow we will take communion together as we remember the day we call Good Friday, the day of Christ's death, called Good Friday because in ancient or past times in history, that was a word for holy. We call the Bible, the Holy Bible, the good book because of that. That's why it's called Good Friday. It's Holy Friday, and I'll see you tomorrow.